Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today we are joined by Richard Harris, founder of the Harris Consulting Group. Richard works with companies of all sizes and revenue models, organizations including Google, Visa, Zoom and SalesLoft all depend on Richard to help keep taping, taking more than their fair share of the market. In addition, Richard is a frequent contributor with Sales Hacker and a speaker at really important industry events, including his own event, Surf and Sales, which I'm excited to discuss with him today. Finally, Richard's on the board for Uncrushed and is committed to helping sales organizations address mental health worldwide. I can't believe we've been going for a year and a half and I haven't had Richard on the show. Richard. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, and welcome, my friend. Thank you, my brother, and I appreciate it. And I, I'm shocked it's been a year and a half. I mean, really, Rob, like, you know me. I would have thought I'd have been, like, the second or third show because, you know, I'm not <laughs> a, you know how important I think I am, Rob. So. I, I had to build up a better listener base so we could make sure we had a big audience listening to you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really glad, as you, as you know, like, I'm a – huge fan of yours and we share content a lot we share yep. conversations offline and i love what exvoyan is doing to support the community as well so i, I humbly I'm, I'm really appreciative to be here so thank you for having me well i appreciate it now a lot of people that are listening will know who you are you're doing amazing things for our sales world um we've given a brief introduction i'd like to start like just having you tell your story a little bit what do you do with the harris group how'd you get it started what led you there can we talk about that quickly yeah, so um, they'll give you a couple of elements that sort of define my background. As, as a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher, wow. um, but I was also smart enough to, and, and it's unfortunate that you can't make a lot of money being a teacher. 
But that was like, even as a kid, my favorite teachers, I always like, I really like how they encouraged me and helped me learn and taught me to want to learn and and then would help me learn because I was, you know, sometimes I wasn't the best student. Um, So fast forward, I always went, you know, I went into sales because I knew I could make a lot of money. Um, Or at least I thought I could make a lot of money. Maybe I should say that. It's, It's, you know. Uh, and then I knew I wanted to get into management because I felt like that teaching aspect came in there. So that, that right. was important for me. So I've been, um, you know, I've been a sales rep, an SDR. I've been an AE. I've been an inside rep, an outside rep. Uh, I've headed up, you know, I've been a, a sales manager, director of sales, VP of sales, head of sales operations. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of got a, a nice liberal arts degree in sales. I think. You've literally done every part of it. Any job in yeah. sales, you've been there, you've done that. Yeah. Um, Love it. Which is good, right? Like, I, I like that. And then um, I got into SAS about, what is it? It's, well, it's 2020. Um, so about nine years ago, I, I got, I would say, my first SAS job um, at a company called Mashery. Uh, this guy, Rock Versace, who, who, if you don't know Rock, you should follow him on LinkedIn, a really smart guy. Um, he was like one of those first 200 at, at Salesforce, right? So wow. really grew up early. You should probably talk to him one day. Yeah. Um, and so he brought me in, and, and I built an SDR team. Uh, we built it remotely in Boston, which was not explained to me in the interview process, which is fine. About <laughs> six months later, we decided to hire a manager in the Boston. Another guy you should talk to, Jim McDonough. You should also talk to Jim. East Coast guy, really smart. Nice. Um, and then they sort of moved me into sales ops, which I'd never done. I had this option to go manage a team or go do sales ops. I'd already managed teams, so I felt like I should go do this sales ops thing and, and learn more about this. Well, about a year and a half later, um, unbeknownst to me, uh, you know, Mastery was going to get bought by Intel, which is great. But Intel didn't really need another sales ops person, so um, – you know, the funny answer is I got fired. That's how I started my job. In reality, <laughs> in, in reality, Mashery hugged me out the door. They really, they took care of me. They explained the situation um, deeply enough, made sure that my family and I didn't really sort of, you know, they gave me a nice runway to figure it out. And during that runway, I had a couple of people call and ask for some help. And I was like, okay. So I had a gig in Austin. I was flying back and forth to Austin every week. This is like 2012, I think. Uh, 2013, and uh, my first week flying home, I sat down on the plane next to this guy, and it turned out to be Nick Maida from Gainsight. Hmm. Gainsight at that point was 15 people, right? Okay. And Nick and I had this great conversation. We got shushed by the flight attendant twice. Um, <laughs> and it's not like we were boozing. We weren't drinking at all. We were just having a great conversation, and next thing I knew, I had a second client. So I had two clients, each with 30-day engagements, you know, and I was still using a Yahoo address. Like that's wow. like that's how early yeah. it was, right? Nice. So I owe a lot of credit to to Nick for giving me that shot too. Um, you know, I keep kicking myself on the pants that I should have taken options instead of cash, but you know, uh, hindsight, baby, hindsight. Yeah. So anyway, so that's really how it got started. It was never something I planned to do. I never really just thought I would be a consultant. After those two things happened, I called our good friend John Barrows because I'd gotten to know him over the years, and John's like Richard. You know, I know you well enough to know that you could do this, and um, I know that you have the right personality. And he also goes, it doesn't happen this way. You don't get two 30-day clients, you know, right off the bat. Wow. Um, so that that's how I got into this. And it sort of, it sort of seemed like, you know, it, it was truly that moment where, you know, a door closes, but like 16 others opened. 
all at once. And that, that's how I became a consultant. So it was never, it was never in the grand scheme of things. Well, and you've gone on to work with some pretty big ones. So you started with some interesting ones and you haven't looked back. You've gotten bigger and better. And so I, I like the fact that you've got some iconic companies that are working with you. You've also been working with some young ones, helping them get off the ground fast. Yeah. Uh, I, I think your perspective, cause you know, we're the sales leadership podcast. Our listeners are people that are active sales leaders right now or people yeah. that aspire to be so. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm glad you told your story because there's going to be a ton of people right now that are in traffic, on the train, whatever, on the treadmill, walking their dog. And, and today I think you have a very unique perspective on how some of these sales leaders can get some insights from things you've seen in a wide variety of sales orgs on what do you get right if you want to get your sales job right, your sales leadership right in 2020 and beyond. So yes. I'm, I'm excited to get that perspective. We're going to dive in, baby. Thank you. Um, and, and I also want to make sure to call out, you know, for the video portion, we have this, you got your surf and sales behind. I want to make sure we talk about that, how you got that started, uh, yeah. what that means, maybe gets an invitation out to some of our listeners to maybe join you there. I'm going to for sure be there sometime. And, um, but I want to make sure we have save time for that as well. Okay. Sounds good. So let's talk about it. So you're kicking off 2020. Uh, you've got a lot of people you're working with. What are the things that you see that the great sales orgs and the great sales leaders do when they, as they get started? What are the things they do that the average ones probably ought to do? Um, I think the, the most important thing is that they, that we all realize we don't know it all. That's the mm. most important thing, right? Um, the challenges I see, um, particularly at the early stage companies, particularly these days, right? Cause it, it, it's, there's a lot more tech stuff coming out is that we have a lot of these super smart, early stage founders who, you know, they sort of get out, get into the seed round, start to look at series A, bring in a, you know, a sales rep or two or, or start to look at management. And, and it's those founders who can let go of sales to let the sales leaders that they've hired do what the sales leaders know how to do. Right. Uh, so often a tech founder because they're so smart in tech and because they're so self-taught in general, they will think, oh, I could go read the book and then I can, you know, produce sales. And it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. Right? Amen, man. I've seen that. So I want to I want to dive into this a little bit, Richard. That's a really good first place to start. Nobody's a know-it-all, but you make sure you're able to execute on the plan. So if you're a, like someone that's maybe young company that says, when do I hire a sales leader? That's a place we could take this. But on the flip side, if you're a sales leader that's feeling like you're getting too much, hey, the book says you should do this, or the founder's like, why aren't we doing that? I'd like to look at it from both sides. When do yeah, you yeah. know you should get a sales leader? But on the other side, if you're the sales leader, how do you manage the people that are above you? Yeah. Uh, where do you want me to start? Or Whichever one you want to start. I don't care. Those are two questions. Wherever so you this, want to start. This is, this is something I'm really passionate about when it comes to the founders, right? I'm never going to walk in and tell a founder how to code. Right. I'm never going to walk in and tell the founder how to uh, build the product physically with things right now. I, might, I will give them customer feedback. That's important. Right. You got to give them that. Right. To the same respect, the founders got to step back and kind of realize that, hey, you built the product. You got an MVP. You got some funding and you sold a couple of deals because people believed in you as a founder. They believed yep. in your baby and you. They didn't buy your sales process, right? Those friends and family deals that you got, the ones that your VCs introduced you to, 
Those are great. You need those deals. You need those logos. You need those customer stories. But that's not a sales process. Mm-hmm. And that's when the founder has to stop, let go, let the head of sales do what they know how to do. And the founder should support that by still doing ride-alongs, by still talking to customers, by stop worrying about the new customers, start ta- and getting them, start talking to the newest customers as they onboard. That's the most important part for the founder once you sort of reach that pinnacle, which is usually sort of post-seed, pre-series A or series A to series B, that early stage. So that's my advice for, for founders. For VPs who don't understand, you know, how to get this over, the, the most important thing, have them listen to this podcast because you're going to get into this, you're going to have them, you're going to get into this battle unintentionally. It's not your intent to get in this battle with the founder, but it's a whole lot easier when Richard tells the founder to, to, you know, S- get back at doing what you do and let the sales leader do what they do. It's better when it comes from a third party. So that's if that. Yeah. No, finish what you're saying because I got. I, I'm really interested. Let's finish that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No worries. Um, and so I think that the important piece is just making sure you understand that. But I also think you can still have a conversation. You can still say, "Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Founder, you are great at this." I I, I say this with with not trying to insult you is that when you show up, people are buying you, the founder. They're trusting you because you have the vision, right? This is the challenge that all organizations have is that no VP of sales, no uh, CRO, maybe a CRO can, can walk in with that level of trust. You know, the founder comes in with a level of trust of nine. The VP of sales or CRO maybe comes in at an eight or an eight and a half. And that's simply because people don't like the title sales, you're automatically discounted because you're not the founder, right? Yeah. Uh, which is another reason I tell every salesperson to take their title out of their email signature. It just diminishes you. That's super so, good advice. So uh, anyway, I'm going to pause there. I could rant, and I know you have some other questions. Or no, questions. you're going down a place that I like. So, uh, so I, it's resonating with me because I'm a I'm a founder of our company, and I'm not a technical founder. I'm a sales founder, and I, I'm quite confident if you were to talk to my head of sales, he would tell you that. He wants me to talk to the people that he's working with only when he asks me to and never, ever otherwise. And, and so, what does he give to you? So, Rob, let me flip the switch yeah. on you a little bit. What does he tell you to say or not say? Does he literally like, hey, Rob, here are the points of what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to do. I just need you to come in and confirm that, hey, I'm the founder and you're stable. We're good, right? Like, is that kind of your role? or Sometimes. How does it work in your org? Because I think that's what a lot of heads of sales would love to hear from you is like, as the founder, how have you learned to let go and trust that process? First, make sure you got the right guy. And the guy who runs sales for us, I have tons of confidence in. And, and also, or maybe woman. this is, or woman. I'm glad you said so. I'm talking about for me. I'm talking yeah. about, I'm talking about for me, it, it is that guy. So sure. I'm glad you said that because you know where I fall on that issue. I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer that we need more women in sales. Um, I guess part of it that maybe I worry about myself is I think it might be easier for a technical founder to let go because I say, well, you're the one who's good at sales. I'm passionate about sales and I'm pretty good at it as you know. And so sometimes I get my hands in the weeds a little bit. And, uh, and so when he asks me to help him or one of our members of the team, it's sometimes they just want to meet me because maybe they heard me speak at a conference or whatever. Right. But usually it's about a very specific because, Again, like you're really good at what you do. When it comes to sales coaching, it's a small group of people that have a lot of expertise in that. 
And so they often want to pick my brain on what, what they should do in their organization. And they don't want the guy selling our technology or the team that's selling our technology. They actually want to talk to someone who knows about coaching. But they, so they seem as a sort of, but, but you're, if I'm hearing you correctly and tell me if I'm wrong, they're seeing you as a validation to their decision to work with you. 100%. Right. 100%. And that's well where the founder comes in and supports the sales leader. You're the validation. That's right. Right. And, and I will, I will say this, that no, technical founders actually don't let go. Right. Is that right? Any more okay. than you. In fact, they probably hold on too much, too long, too tight. And after about a year, somewhere between maybe 18 months and two years, the technical founder you know, you get a, you get a VP of sales, a CRO, and, you know, they, they, they take you to 10 million or 20 million in, in a year or two. And all of a sudden the founder thinks they know more about sales. Yeah. Right. I've seen that. Someone, someone on the board, someone, one of the VC says, well, you know, this person only got you to 10 or 15 million, but you know, can they get you to a hundred million? It's like, well, they sure as shit, you know, pardon the language, but they've earned the right to get it there. Yeah. Amen. I'm with so, you on that, Richard. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. So yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. So, so let's flip around the other side then. So when you're, if you let's say that we're someone that is listening to this right now, like, yes, I relate to that, Richard. What you're saying, amen. I'm giving you a sales hallelujah. We're at sales church right now. Okay. okay. And, um, I, I got a, I got a guy that's just in my way and he's, and I, I, I'm only giving him what he wants rather than what we need to do. What would you say to those people? What, what are some tips on how you might manage that? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, I would actually back up because I know it's the beginning of the year, and I would say in the interview process, you have to ask this question. You have to ask your potentially new founder, hey, here's what I know happens. Are you going to let go? Are you going to let me do what I know how to do? And will you stay out of my way? Hmm. And, of course, the founder's going to say yes. <laughs> then the next question is, great, what's my budget for salespeople, for sales tools, for sales training, what kind of budget do I have control over? And this founder will probably say X, Y, Z, or I don't know. And then you say, look, once you give me that budget, do I still have to get your approval before I spend it? So these are the things you should be asking because because this is where all the stuff you know really starts to hit. Like you get hired and all of a sudden, oh yeah, you got this budget, go do this. Like I remember one time I had to spend a two hour conversation, even though I had budget approved, I had to have a two hour conversation on whether or not uh we could spend fifty dollars a month for four sales reps um to as we were deciding between sales loft and outreach. Mm-hmm. Right? Like why do we need this tool? What's it gonna help us do? You know, why why would we want something like that? And I'm like we just spent two hours. Our base salaries cost covered six months of that That's in this right. stupid meeting, right? right? You told me I had budget. I even said to the founder, I said, look, you promised me when I interviewed that you would stay out of my way. And he goes, yes. And he goes, I'm not staying out of your way, are you? Am I? And I said, no, not at all. You're doing the exact opposite. So <laughs> I asked the right questions. I just happened to have a founder who couldn't let go. And he was re- he's really smart. The guy knows what he was doing. Yeah. He just couldn't let go because he wants to be the expert at everything. He's got to be the smartest person in the room. Well, that's fine. Go ahead and be the smartest person in the room. The smartest person in the room knows when to let go, mm. right? So that's the first thing is, one, qualify it in the interview process so you got it if you need it. Okay. The second thing is to you, you literally have to do the math, figure out what your salaries are, and be able to go to your founder and say, look, every time we meet for 30 minutes, that's an hour. That's probably costing us X just to have these kinds of conversations. Particularly technical founders like that. They at least like to know what they're doing, right? 
Now, sometimes they'll get stuck in the, well, you know, I've got to spend that money to make sure we don't waste this money or whatever. It's like that. If you run into that founder, run. Like, I don't have a better answer. Start interviewing. The unemployment rate's three and a half percent. Believe me, you're going to find a better job and a better boss, right? Um, If you're the founder listening, you got to let go. Look, you as a founder built something amazing and it didn't come out of your brain correct the first time. You had to make mistakes. You had to make errors. You had to spend time. You had to do that. Well, it's the same thing in sales and a sales process. And you can't learn sales in a book. You can read about it, but until you actually implement it and try it and convert it into your own language and your own voice, Rob's voice versus Richard's voice, it's not going to work. And so you've got to be able to let go. And the best part about this, and this is to the founders, guess what happens when you let go? You actually have freedom to go do other things to grow the business. Yes. Right? Like that is the thing, right? Like I know, Rob, I know you well, and I know how you would get involved with your reps, but I think over the years you've learned like, I got to step back. You may not like it. You may not like doing it, but you're like, wait a minute. I got these other six things I need to go focus on. And I hired this person to solve this for me so that I don't have to worry about it. It's true. And it does take some time to build that trust in that relationship. I get it. You know, it might take 60 or 90 days, but then you got to let go. That's good advice. So those are two good starting points. And, and, I guess the last thing I'd ask as we're going down here, I like those those things you've done. For a technical founder, is it important to have like good documentation or leading indicators? Does that make it even more important to really have your shit together that says, you know, X but you know, X percent more here gets us X percent more here. Is there any advice? Do metrics play a bigger role there, or is it really get out of the way and let me do my thing? The the key thing is that you've got to have both, right? You do need to examine data and data, you know, now with the tools that we have, you know, and we've collected so much data, there is real AI, right? There, you know, that's available. Yeah, legit AI. Yeah, legit AI. Even within the tools of sales loft and outreach and and things like that, there's there's quality data in there. But you've got to spend some time accessing your own data. So, you know, if you've got a six-month sales cycle, you need to determine a baseline, and it's going to take you one and a half to two full sales cycles to understand your baseline. Okay, you can review things in 30 or 60 days, but to redefine your process when you haven't gone through a full sales cycle, that's hard to do. I also think this leads to another subject, which is after you, whether they're SDRs or AEs, now's the time to bring in sales ops. That should be a super early hire right after the head of sales. I'm so glad you went there. I've got to, I'm taking a ton of notes. I was just on site with a company down in Phoenix, the greater Phoenix area, the week before Christmas. And so, um, and this, this sales leader has done a pretty good job having some growth, but this is going to tee it up. This is really good. I'm glad you went here, Richard. It's almost like we scripted it. Um, He's got a bigger goal. You know, the results for 2020 have to be bigger than they were for 2019. And his approach, his game plan that he was sharing with me is pretty much one of two things. It's more reps and it's have the reps we have work harder. Yeah. And he had zero sales ops. And so I asked what's, what's sales ops doing? And it was interesting how he thought sales ops was kind of an unimportant role. So two questions now again. I'm doing, I'm hitting you every time with double barrel, Richard. You're doing great. So I'm going to keep doing it. Okay. Um, Number one, talk about what sales ops should do and why it's so important. 
And then number two, how does a sales leader continue to grow without just saying work harder? How do we help them? I, I'm afraid to say work, that, that work smarter, not harder, because I think that that makes people not work hard. I know you got to work hard. Yeah. How, how does a sales leader help people get more effective, more efficient? And how does sales ops? I think those are actually related questions. Yeah, they, they totally are. And I, I will give you my best answer. I would tell you the another person you should interview uh, is Claire Morris, if you haven't. Hmm. She is a She's she's good friends with Scott. She worked with Scott Lee, who you and I both know. Yep, Scott's great. She worked with him twice as his sales ops person. So she will probably give you a better answer than I will. Okay. Um, but but to answer you as best I can, because um, you know, keep in mind I got let go when I was a sales ops person. So clearly I wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> I was good enough to be dangerous, right? Um, <laughs> You need to establish some level of baseline metrics. You need to let that that sales ops person is going to help you, and, and I'll steal this from Claire, is that sales ops should be tied to revenue. If they understand the revenue targets and goals and they share that with the sales team, that doesn't necessarily mean by quota, but if they can share the passion that sales ops is there to drive this revenue and that becomes their mantra, then they can help figure out the math behind everything more so than, Hey, it's a body count and a dial increase. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's the best way and the easiest way for me to sort of explain what that is. Um, What, what are those metrics and KPIs that ops can help you with? I mean, dials, it can be sales stuff, but, but they can also go in and sort of figure out, well, how long is each you know, deal staying within each stage. Why are the, then they can start asking questions. Why is it stuck in that stage? Your head of sales could say, Hey, help me understand, you know, go to the customer. Hey, we're not trying to push you. We're trying to learn about our sales process, right? We're trying to improve our process. Can you help me understand, you know, what the delays are on your side so we understand your journey, right? Um, this is where the founder could step in and say, Hey, I know you've been doing this. I want to talk to you about how I just want to have them, you know, I just want to understand our process as it relates to our potential customers like you. That's where the founder can step in. And that's where ops can sort of start to point out to the head of sales. Hey, look, did you know that everything is staying in stage three for 63 days? If we could cut that down to 43 days, it would exponentially increase our revenue. So that's one way that sales ops can support it. That's, that's, um, I like training that answer. and coaching can come in, right? Okay. If the then by all means, yeah. Uh, if if sales ops can come in and say, hey, here's where we're getting stuck in the deals. Now the head of sales or the CRO can go build some training and content around that to support the team. So I like everything that you're saying right now. So I want to go back to my guys in Phoenix. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get in your hot tub time machine and come come back in time with me now, Richard. Okay. And. Um, so there's going to be a lot of people that are listening on this right now. How do you know when it's time to get sales ops? And if there was like three things that you should say, how, how do you know you're making sales ops strategic? Or like what are two or three things that you say, if I had these things, it's a strategic help, not just a, you know, necessary sure. evil. Um, there's a couple things. So one, depending on how much time your head of sales or CRO is spending in front of the computer looking at data and running reports, you know, a gut check would be if I'm having to spend an hour, two hours a day, 10 hours a week, then I need somebody to start coming in and doing ops even part-time uh, because those 10 hours a week, I should be talking to customers. I should actually be trying to close the deal, right? 
It also depends on the type of sales leader you have. Sometimes sales leaders are really good at sales, but we're not necessarily great at, at the data side of it. Um, we don't live and thrive in the data. We don't get excited by the data. We get excited, or I'm sorry, we don't get excited by creating the data or getting it all gathered. That exhausts us. And then all of a sudden, you know, now that their brain is so fried that they can't realize what they need to do with the data and interpret it. So let the sales ops person go get that data. So that to me is it. Um, if you're looking from a headcount perspective, once you have a head of sales and probably three to five reps is probably when I think you should get a, um, wow. a sales ops person because the sales ops person you get is going to, isn't, they're not there to help decipher what you're going to do with three to five reps. They're coming in to lay the groundwork so that you can now get to 10. Got it. That's a really good suggestion. I, I'm, we've never really dove into sales ops since Scott was on. Scott was the guy that took us through sales ops before. I'm really glad you're going there because um, I think that we have so many leaders that are getting into the leadership job that I think, Richard, tell me what you think. I think that too often the younger you are as a leader, the more you gravitate to what you're really good at. And for a lot of them it was, hey, I was a good closer. That's why they, they promoted me to leadership. And so they just try to help close. And they don't get better at how do we optimize what's happening around here. This is the challenge with everybody. We are, particularly in sales, particularly in the startup world, and I love promoting from within, but we're promoted because we're content experts. Yeah. Uh, I had a coach, Madeline McNeely, she taught me this, that we're promoted because we're content experts, meaning we can talk about the product, the service, we can handle the objections, we can talk about the competitor. Bam, all of a sudden, now you're in charge. Well, nowhere in there was there a ton around sales ops other than maybe your own sequences and cadences, right? Yep. Nowhere in there were there any tools about, well, how do I manage a human being? So all of a sudden we're thrust from this role of sales where we're experts into this role where there's two or three things where we're not experts and we're told to figure it out. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. Look, just because you can write a code to create Pong doesn't mean you should now be going to write the code for Fortnite, yeah, right? It's good. That is really good, man. If I, mean, if I took my kids and I had, if I had my kids go play Pong, they'd say, when do we get to play a real game, Dad? They would be like, this is so boring. Yeah. Yeah, we're both dating ourselves, Richard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I tried to get my son to watch Goldfinger, the original. The original yes. When the original yes. Bond, and he's like, this is really slow. Can we go watch one of the newer ones? <laughs> All right, so we've you've got a couple of things on your blueprint. Make sure that you know nobody knows it all. Uh, make sure that you are able to execute. Uh, have good, strong sales ops. Those are three good things that you've got. Uh, I want to get into some other things uh, with sure. you while I got you, but before we do, is there any one or two last things that you want to make sure are part of the blueprint that takes average sales leader to great sales leader? Yeah, keep learning, keep reading, read books, right? And I don't, I don't care. They don't need to be. I've actually sort of banned a lot of business books because I, I sort of inundated myself. You can learn tons of things um, in nonfiction and fiction books. You know, the book on Theranos, right? The the blood got the blood company out here in, in Silicon Valley. Amazing. It's a great amazing story. book on on and and you know, yes, I've seen the HBO special and yes, I think her deep voice is kind of weird, but um, <laughs> it, you will learn a ton of business practices there. There's another favorite book I love called um, Billion Dollar Whale. This is the guy who um, he stole a billion dollars from a Malaysian fund, government fund, a billion with a B. Wow. Okay. 
And then he bankrolled, and he wanted to go legit, so he bankrolled Wolf of Wall Street. No way. He created his own business, his own movie business to go legit. So he was hanging out with Paris Hilton and Leonardo DiCaprio and all these places. He was flying people all over the world. This is all in, like, 2008 during the recession. He flew, like, Jamie Foxx and a bunch of people, and they went to, like, Australia for New Year's. They then jumped back on a plane and flew back to Vegas to have a second New Year's. Like, a fascinating story of of thievery and money. (laughs) But you can learn so much in this book. You can just learn. So there's a lot of fun books that I don't think you have to read as business books. So, But keep reading. Do podcasts. Do whatever it is that makes you passionate about what you do. And, and, and also the last thing I would say is step away, take a vacation, legitimately sign off, right? Log off and let your mind be free. And those are the things that I think will help you become better leaders. Yeah, that's a great blueprint. I've written them all down. And when we break it down into so what, I'll make sure we identify those clearly. We got a little bit of time still and I want, and I'm glad I wanted this on purpose. You, you've got a couple things that I think are important for us to talk about that I really want our listeners to hear about. I want to start with what you're doing with Uncrushed. We had Tim get on the show. It was a killer show, uh, really good response from our listeners. You yeah. now joined the board. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer in what you're doing. I myself have had my own moments where I'm like, man, I don't know. Can you talk about why Uncrushed is so important, especially for sales leaders? I think sales leaders have a different kind of pressure, and we face some different challenges. Yeah, well, we're not allowed to talk about our sadness or our struggles, right, because then we're perceived as weak, Right. But then I also hear people talk about empathy and authenticity, right? Empathy and authenticity is the future of sales. Like, I don't care. I don't care who you are, what you think, what you say. I don't care if you were a D1 athlete. You have to be able to admit those struggles. Even those athletes have their struggles, right? And they've got to figure out a way to handle it. Um, so for me, it became passionate because, I look, I, I am what is known – as a functioning depressed person, right? I've been this way for a very long time, probably since I was uh, 10 or 11. Probably I've stemmed it back to two incidents. One was probably my parents' divorce. One has to do with my ear challenges and having to wear a swim cap when I was a kid at the age of six and looking different. Like I've done enough therapy, right? Um, I didn't recognize it as a challenge until probably in my 30s, my early 30s. And it's it was just one of those things that I had to pay attention to, and I finally did. And so I, I, I'm happy to talk about my challenges. I've written about it on Uncrushed. I've made my depression my superpower. I'm very fortunate in that my depression was not and is not um, a suicidal thing. I don't have thoughts around that. I don't have – I've never gone down that deep hole. So in some ways I feel lucky because I know a lot of other people where it's really affected them in a, in a different way. So I've been able to, to work with it and accept it and own it and can kind of now recognize, oh, wait a minute, that's not, that's my depression. Let's go do these exercises. Let's go do some meditation. Let's go, you know, make sure my meds are right. I, I do tons of meds. I, I'll call my therapist and, to, you know, talk to my therapist once a week. And, you know, I do all those things that are healthy for me. Um, and I found my own journey. So when I heard about Uncrushed and was thought that I could share my story and, and help other people, I did. And then just through that with Tim, uh, Tim asked me to come on board and help. I've, I've helped create a partnership with the AAISP, the American Association of Inside Sales. Um, they're letting us come to their events and, and speak about this topic and talk about it. We've got some programs where we actually can show up to organizations and help 
talk about how do you talk about it. Like we can give some practical advice um, at different organizations so that they can bring this in, right? And we know that this is, you know, it's often this, well, is that an HR thing or a sales thing? Well, it's kind of both, right? And the one thing I will say is that, you know, mental health, mental health is not mental illness. Mental health, what do you do to go to the gym to keep your mind healthy, right? Just like you physically go to the gym or go for a walk or do these exercises. That's what real mental health is. It's not mental illness, which is an entirely separate thing that's connected, but I, I, we really want to remove this stigma around it and acknowledge that, hey, in sales, we have our ups and downs and we got to talk about them. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, win rates are, in, you know, win rates are like a baseball player's batting average right now. Yeah, if totally. If you're awesome, you win 30% of the time, you know, right. That's, that's, and it, it creates this world where you're facing rejection and you have so much pressure. So I want to, now that you've talked about what you're doing and why you joined it, can, maybe you can, you can talk to our listeners a little bit. So if you're a sales leader, how do you make that part of what you're doing? Cause you still got to hit a number that doesn't go away. We still have to hit a number. Any thoughts yeah. about how they can mix that into what they're doing to create a better work environment or be a better influence on the people that they're working with or for themselves, be healthier themselves. Any, any thoughts for sales leaders? Yeah, so um, Headspace is actually a client of mine. I, I used the app before they became a client. Oh, but Headspace cool. is, a, is, a, is a meditation app and a mental health awareness app. I think, uh, and they've got all kinds of programs in there on being competitive and dealing with pressure or stress. And I think sometimes just putting everybody in the conference room for the, and they're just 10-minute exercises, but getting everybody in the conference room to run through those exercises every day or, you know, a couple times a week, that's an easy thing to do. Some people are going to laugh at it and some people are going to, you know, poo-poo it. Well, let them. I can't control that, right? But I can, as a leader, say, look, this is important to all of us, right? So I think that's one of the things that you can do. I think that you also have to tell people, look, you know, you, know, you don't get to miss a week of work because the cat died. Look, I got it. I understand. I understand the cat was important. I've got a dog, right, Lola. But you know, there, there's a reasonable amount of time to manage that, right? Um, and I hope that the organization's smart enough to know. Look, all right, the person's cat died. Like, okay, go take tomorrow off. Go deal with it. But then you still got to come back to work, right? Um, and which is different than you know, if grandma dies or your mother or your father. Those are different things. Um, and, and this not means I'm anti-animal. It just means that we need to keep some perspective around it. So I think being open about it. I think being open, this is the most important thing, being open and honest about your own challenges. Like being able to say, hey, everybody, I just had a really bad day yesterday. I'm sorry if I lost my, you know, if I got frustrated with you last night, I thought about it. And I just want to let you know that I'm aware of what happened. That alone, that little bit of vulnerability goes mm. so far with your team because then they can say, oh, okay, this person does understand. This person does have their own things just like I do. Uh, I'm very comfortable sharing my story. I talk about it all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but finding that way to be human and vulnerable with your own challenges, and that doesn't mean that you are a depressed person. It just means you're a human, right? So finding a place to share those things I think is really important. Those are both really good. I, I, I don't think we talk about it enough. I think you're right. We gotta, we gotta be tough. And, you know, our, I, I think that we, I think that the very fact that we can't identify it creates new problems. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. And I think it's also kind of poo-pooed in the startup world, right? Where in the startup world, you know, you're supposed to work 12 hours grind. a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. Grind. Yeah, right? grind, grind, grind. And, uh, and I don't mind if you work 12 hours a day, six days a week, but don't tell me you don't have 10 minutes to go do some meditation or whatever your version of relaxing is, right? Because yep. that's where what's interesting is that when you stop focusing on all the things, that's where the important things really learn to bubble to the surface. Okay, that's good. Now let's shift to the next one, and then we'll have our rapid fire. And we're—I can't believe that we're we're running up. Surf and sales. Yeah. Uh, you and Scott Lee put it together. It's the non-conference conference. Right. Um, uh, it's gone from a, an interesting idea to something that's here to stay. Uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it. I think that we have leaders that probably ought to think about attending it. Yeah. Uh, what do they get? What do you do? It's a great way that you have put your thumbprint on what's happening in sales. I'd love to yeah. let people think about that a little bit. Yeah, look, look, believe me, I look, the big conferences are there. They're going to be there. They should be there. There's value in those things. But they're also sometimes too big, right? And so Scott and I were with our families uh, in Costa Rica surfing a couple of years ago on vacation. And Scott looked at me walking. We were walking back up the beach. And he's like, hey, what, would it, what do you think about bringing a bunch of, you know, 10 or 20 people down here? And we do some kind of surfing sales where we surf in the morning and we do sales content in the afternoon. And I just looked at him and said, okay, let's do it. And so it was really his baby, still is. Um, and we're now on our fourth surf and sales. Uh, we've got the next one coming up at the end of February. Uh, it's built for sales leaders or sales reps who are looking to move into sales leadership. Um, we've had SDR show up and it's been fantastic for them too. Um, and we do spend about three or four hours, uh, on the water every day. Um, maybe a little bit more. And then we spend about four or five hours every day talking about sales content. What's cool about this is let's say, you know, Rob, I know you're going to really try and come in February, right? Like I, I you know, you've been promising me forever. So someday I'm going to get there. It's yeah. going to happen, dude. I promise. So, so one of the I'm cool putting things that in front of thousands of people right now, someday I will be there. Okay. The, the, the cool thing is that if someone, you know, anybody who comes, I don't care if you're an SDR, an AE, a manager will say, Hey, do you want to lead a 45 minute session on something that you're passionate about? Right. Something that you like about sales, something that you've become really good at. And we'll let the people who are attending actually produce the content, which I think is really, really fun because it gives them more ownership to it. Um, we've had people from IBM show up. We've obviously had people from outreach and sales loft show up. They actually showed up at the same time last year and got along really well. Um, there were, there were no fisticuffs. That's awesome. Uh, no, nobody cut anybody off on the boards and, uh, on the waves. Um, <laughs> You know, but so the content is dependent on who's there. So the content will be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And we, we, we have a couple of standard things. Like we do, we do a thing on, on how to tell your story. Like how do you tell your story in three minutes? Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's a really important exercise, which is about brevity. Uh, I do a thing on mental health. Scott does something on, um, his addiction selling method. Uh, Jeff, our other, our other co-founder will come in and, and, talk about branding and marketing and all kinds. So we can do all this different content, I mean, significant content to help people. And no, let me make sure everybody understands this. One, it's not a bro fest. Two, it's not a booze fest. Nobody's out getting hammered every night till 2 a.m. because we're usually getting up and surfing at about 8 a.m. So it's, it's, it's definitely a fun place. And the final thing I'll say is you don't have to surf. Like I actually, I finally, you know, my doctor finally said, look, you can't surf anymore. Like it's, it's too bad for your ears. And so I don't surf a ton when I go down there. Not that I was ever good at it. So you don't have to be a surfer. If you come down, 
everything's included. All your food, all any alcohol, if you want to have a drink or two, absolutely it's included. Your surf lessons are included. You don't have to do surf lessons. We're literally in houses and 20 feet away is the ocean. Um, it's amazing. So it, it's a really fun event, and, and we'd love to have some people come along. So. Well, I, I think I think it's amazing. I've talked to a lot of people who have gone. You and I both know a lot of the same people, and I have only heard that it's a, like beats expectations. So yeah. thanks for figuring out a way to do that differently. You, know, you, you help sales leaders lead different. You help salespeople sell different. Now yeah. you're figuring out a way to have people get together and share ideas different, which I think is yeah. awesome. So That's well done. So we're in the final stretch. Last way, we, we finish every episode the same way, Richard. We do the rapid fire. So three questions, quick, top of mind response. You ready? Sure. Let's do it, man. Number one, uh, what's the biggest sales leadership challenge that you see, and how how do you how do you overcome it? Um, I, for me, it's internal. Uh, it's getting out of my own way, right? It's having the ability to go. I need help. I think that's a little bit more of a Gen X issue than maybe a millennial issue or Gen Z. Um, but for Gen Xers, um, it's me. because you've been promoted and you're thought to be the expert doesn't mean you have the answers. It means you need to go and find the answers, and sometimes they're external. Okay. So, so if, you've, if that's something that you're up against, any suggestions for how you do that? Uh, one, you have to bite the bullet and admit it. Uh, two, uh, I think going social, going on LinkedIn and looking for people, or maybe being on Modern Sales Pros or the Revenue Collective, I know those are two great organizations to be a part of where you can go ask these questions. I think it's gotten a lot better in the last three years okay. where people are willing to admit, say, hey, I got this problem. I don't know how to write commission plans. I don't know how to um, build an onboarding process. Does anybody have a template? Like, those, you know, those places where you can go and get that information I think are great. Okay. Number two, thank you for that one. Yeah. This is this is our listeners' favorite one. This was a this was requested that I ask it, and ever since we've done it, we've gotten such amazing feedback. Favorite interview question or interview topic when you're interviewing reps, people to join your team. What do you look for? What's the number one thing, and and is there like a go-to way of finding it? Yeah, I'm going to do two actually. Okay. Uh, one is, uh, do you eat fast or slow? And here's okay. the reason. Tell me why. I got to hear this because. It's, sales is all about urgency. People who eat fast are naturally urgent. They naturally need to get to the next thing. People who eat slow love to take their time, right? And, and you could probably look around the office. I ask this question all the time when I train, like when I'm at Oregon. I'm just like, out of curiosity, how many people here eat fast or told you eat too fast? And, I, and I'll always say it's more than 60% in this group, and every time, yep, there it is. I can't teach that level of urgency, now, that doesn't mean that just because someone doesn't eat fast, I wouldn't hire them. That does That's not what I'm suggesting. Right. But it does tell you something about their psyche. Okay. That's a good one. We've yeah. never heard that one before. What's your second one? The second one is what, you know, interviewing is no longer about you interviewing the company deciding if they want to hire you. It's about you deciding if you want to go work for that company. So if Rob were interviewing me and, you know, it, it turns into that question, right? Hey, Richard, you know, what questions do you have for me? Uh, these are the questions I would ask. I'd be like, hey, Rob, uh, if you could snap your fingers and change three things overnight, what would they be? And Rob will give me three things. And I'll go, great, Rob, hey, that's fantastic. What's preventing it from actually happening then? And now I know what the culture is like in that company to get shit done, right? That's the first question. Super the second good. question is, and this is the most important one, is to turn around and say, hey, Rob, look, I know you're, you know, you're trying to interview me, but I'll be honest with you, Rob, like, unemployment rate's three and a half percent. 
You need me more than I need you. What are you going to teach me when I come to work for you? Because if Rob can't tell me that, and you obviously don't be quite so cocky as this podcast. Please, you know, tone it down. (laughs) But if they can't answer that question, why should you go work for them? Right? Right. Like, that's it. Like, Scott and I did that. You know, we have our own surf and sales podcast, so I'll plug it. We did a whole thing about how to negotiate salary and how to do interviewing. And the goal is that interviewing is no – and, in fact, I posted about it today. The biggest myth in interviewing is the company is interviewing you. That's not true. You're interviewing the company. That's how you look at it. And And so if you're hiring someone and they don't interview you, is that a red flag? Say that again. So if you are the interviewer, like let's say now it's like Richard Harris is interviewing Rob Jepson to come work for Harris Consulting Group. Right. If I don't interview you, is that a red flag? Yes. Now, I will say this. I also take it with a grain of salt. With someone like Rob Jepson, I expect Rob to interview me. Yeah. If I'm a 23-year-old kid who's just gotten out of college and they don't know this yet, then I need to take that into account. And I have to say, hey, is this person, you know, can I, can I help mold this person? Do they, do they have the rights? You know, have they told me good stories about how they've accomplished something, how they've followed a process, how they've overcome some challenge in their life? Like, if they've answered those questions right, I then have to see if they're willing to let me coach them a little bit, right? Because I can't expect someone just out of college to know this stuff yet. That was a good answer. Last one. You've already got there a little bit. I'm glad it's part of your blueprint because you fed what we're going to do on this last question. And we can use the ones you've given. If you have something different, we'll take it. We found that leaders are readers. To your point, you want to be great, you keep learning, you keep reading. I don't care if it's book, podcast, audible, blog. I mean, there's different ways. Some people like to read long stuff. Some people want bite-sized chunks. Is there anything you would recommend to our, our listeners, our, our group that's, that says, hey, if you want to level up your leadership, you know, here's yeah, a couple I, things I'll you assume, might want to add. I'll make the assumption, but I'll say it, that everybody's read Never Split the Difference at this point. If you're Amen. If you have it, that's fine. Uh, 48 Laws of Power. Another good I one. wish I'd read this book when I was in my 20s. God, I wish I'd read this book. I'd, good I'd, answer. I, I would have solved so many problems of myself, gotten out of my way so much sooner. Um, and really been able to succeed in a different way. So 48 Laws of Power is my latest, uh, big book to read. And it's, it's cool because it's, it's, de- it's deep, but there's, there's 48 of them. So you don't have to like read them all at once, right? You can really decipher what are these laws of power and, and you'll be able to literally go through and go, Oh my God, the first law, never outshine the master. Gosh, I know exactly where that's happened in my life and career. Now I understand why I shouldn't do that again, right? So that's my very favorite. good. Richard, this has been awesome. We, we, uh, we've run up on it, man. We're, we, we always, we all, and I knew we would, man. You, I, I could have just taken one thing and stayed there the whole time. I'm glad we got to get to four or five things with you today. Dude, it's I'm, been awesome. I really enjoy it, Rob. And of course, I love seeing you at different events. Hopefully it'll be at ours one of these days, but it'll um, be there. I'll be there and I'll be, I'll I know, by the way. I can't wait to do it. How do they get more of you? You can at least, you can at least sponsor us this year, right? <laughs> How do they get more of you, man? So if they want to, there's people who want to pick up the conversation. They want to get surfing sales. They want to whatever. How do they get more Richard? How do they, how do they get your content? How do they get access to all that stuff? How do they get more? There's never, there's no such thing as too much Richard. Um, but much to my wife's chagrin. Um, but you can find, obviously find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash, uh, rharris415. You can email me, Richard, at rharris415. You can go to my uh, homepage, theharrisconsultinggroup.com. 
Um, you can find me at Sales Hacker, Richard at SalesHacker.com, uh, lots of places. So if you have a hard time finding me, I, you know, it's yeah. only because of that famous actor. Well, I mean, Richard, Richard's someone I'll tell you, if you're not following him, do it. I mean, Richard and I know each other well. Uh, his content is stuff that helps me a lot. Sometimes it's something that's professional that I use or I appreciate. Sometimes it's personal. Uh, Richard is one of us. I mean, he is a sales guy. He is a sales leader. He's lived every part of that. Uh, Richard, I want to thank you for the only dude I know that has a TM. You're trademarked in your name now, okay? <laughs> just so everybody knows, that's just a sales hack. <laughs> I know. To any marketing people listening, I know. I know. So. Hey, Richard, thanks so much for joining hey, us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Rob. Thanks so much. Happy selling. All right, brother. Catch you later. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I need to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Richard Harris and focus on how to get more done with the people you have on your team now, because that's exactly what Outreach is all about getting more with the people you have by creating sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. Listen, great leaders have learned that leaders on pedestals make easy targets. I love how Richard started this interview when he said, nobody knows it all. Now, there's a ton of implications for this, and with Richard, there were two key areas that I really have thought a lot about since conducting that interview. The first is we as leaders need to build out a team that can help you do things that you may not have as strengths. Now, a great example of this was in sales ops. I love how he talked about surrounding yourself with people that can make you smarter, more effective, more efficient. I, I believe that too often sales leaders get the hero syndrome, and, and that doesn't just happen with new ones versus old. It happens with every – I see it all the way through. Sales leaders often have this – feeling like I got to be the hero. I got to be able to do it all. I know I myself have made that mistake many times. Again, I'm going to say it. Leaders on pedestals are easy targets. Instead, put others up on that pedestal and help them win. And the more natural you can become at doing this, the more effective you'll be as a leader because your team will realize you have their interests in mind rather than using them as a mean to your own individual end. The second thing that I got from Richard on this was to never stop learning. Great leaders need to find ways to continue the learning experience. Find people that will help you find your next level. Be passionate about learning. Never stop growing. Because once you think you're done, you are. This is a super easy trap to fall into. Be very intentional about identifying your blind spots and finding ways to improve them. You know, that's something that as leaders, sometimes we stop getting mentors. We stop having people... Uh, try to develop us. And I think that's one of the things I would suggest is continue to find people that help you walk down a road that you haven't yet walked. And you'll find that you'll always be able to have what, uh, have the ability to avoid mistakes that you don't need to make. Finally, please check out Uncrushed. I'm a huge fan of what they do. We don't talk about mental health enough in sales. It is a real issue and we as leaders need to make sure we are helping each member on our team become the best version of themselves. This means the best version professionally and personally, and shining a light on mental health is a huge part of this. Uncrushed is doing amazing work, and I think every single sales leader needs to be, at the very least, 
They need to be aware of what's happening there. So I appreciate Richard joining our show. He's a person every one of you should follow, connect with, reach out to, uh, get to know him. He's a terrific guy and he can help your organization. I also appreciate our friends at Outreach, the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue building efforts and check out Outreach today. Finally, thanks most of all to each of you, our listeners. Please keep reaching out to me with questions you'd like addressed on the show. Please keep providing those great reviews. And most of all, please keep listening to us as we bring you the most successful sales leaders in the world and tap into those blueprints that have helped make them great. So thanks for joining us. And as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.